As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Whether it's in business, whether it's in our community, whether it's in our family, it's very easy for us to point fingers. It's easy for us to complain about things that aren't right. I think it takes a lot more courage to do something about it with action. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success real estate and follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow Up Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Best ever listeners, I'm excited to introduce you to our newest host that we're bringing on to the team. His name is Slocum Reed, along with myself and Osh. Slocum will be providing value to every interview he does. I've known Slocum for years and I've watched his portfolio continue to grow He currently owns and operates 65 units, including converting three units into an office building. So he's an owner-operator. He's coming from certainly a different perspective than I have. I know he's going to bring his expertise and cut through the fluff and get the best real estate investing advice ever 
for you. So welcome, Slocum Reed. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Slocum Reed. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. Today we have Marcus Long with us. How you doing, Marcus? I'm doing great. How are you, Slocum? I'm great. Marcus is the founder of A Long Legacy REI. He primarily focuses on class B and C value add properties with 100 plus units with project scopes that allow for cash flow to commence in the first year and currently plan for three to seven year hold periods. He's currently the GP of a hundred unit in prior Oklahoma. He also has a 75 unit in College Station, Texas, and an eight unit short term rental conversion in Arlington, Texas. He's an LP as well on a 24-unit mobile home park in Cannon City, Colorado, a 103-unit in Mobile, Alabama, an 88-unit in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he has been living for the last two and a half years in Cheltenham, England. Jonathan, tell us how you got into commercial real estate. I got into real estate 17 years ago, more like in the single family side. And so, you know, I'm active duty Navy. And so as I'm towards the end of my career now, but through my career, I picked up a number of single family units and it wasn't actually until after I moved to England about two and a half years ago, as you mentioned, that I kind of started, I joined a mastermind for active duty and veterans. And I started getting exposed to some different strategies, particularly multifamily and syndications. So at that point in time, I ended up investing. I'd sold a single family house in Colorado when we left. I had a, a little bit of cash available to invest. So I decided to invest as an LP to kind of get exposed to the strategy a little bit more. I invested with other active duty guys that I met through the mastermind because I had like close access to them. I could kind of ask questions, follow the deals, things like that. And from there, I kind of decided to transition into the GP side of commercial real estate. And towards the end of my career, I'm getting ready to transition out here later this year. And as I looking at it and stuff, it gave my family a lot of flexibility uh, geographically and time-wise and I enjoyed like the impact that I could have both for like the residents as well as our past investors and stuff. So it looked like something that I really enjoyed doing and wanted to transition into as I left the military. Yeah. So you transitioned to being a GP while you're active duty military, the ability to move around the world while still investing is super valuable. It sounds like you're going to value that when you leave the Navy here soon, when you retire from the Navy. Within your general partnerships, what do you specialize in? I think I've bring some skills in some different areas. You know, because of my like background in single family, and while it is different than, than multifamily, you know, I've had a number, like I said, I had single family for 15 years. So I understand some of the kind of the property management aspect, which kind of translate into being able to manage the assets. I'm also a finance major. So while they don't teach the real estate aspect in school, I spent quite a bit of time looking at spreadsheets, things of that nature as well. And so I think as I uh, kind of joined in with the GP teams, some of the original ones, I wasn't necessarily the primary underwriter. Some of my partners maybe found the deal and underwrote it initially, but I think I brought quite a bit of value you know, there and being able to look at the underwriting and kind of poke holes or ask some tough questions to kind of see if we can make some improvements on that. And then I really enjoy also, from the asset management perspective, I think that I really enjoy the impact we can have and being very intentional about how we can improve the residents' lives. When we look at our underwriting, the things that we are doing, the CapEx and stuff, like, are we doing them just to do them or does it improve their lives? And what is the ROI you know, to improve the return for our investors as well? And then finally, the capital raising aspect, I actually really enjoy that as well because I have a passion for 
education and helping others. And I think that capital raising, some of that comes naturally. Like you spend time talking to people, educating them on different opportunities, because as I said, they don't teach this stuff in school. Even getting my finance degree, it's very Wall Street-esque, right? You don't hear about the real estate portions of it. So I think spending time educating people and informing them of the opportunities that are available, like providing that opportunity to them to raise capital for these deals comes kind of natural as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And it makes sense that you can do quite remotely. And it's interesting too, that when you talk about capital raising, for you, that is the joy you find in educating others. Speaking of capital raising, these deals in which you're a GP, you underwrite to a three to seven year hold. Why not just underwrite to the five-year hold every time like everybody else? I would say that we are generally underwriting to a five-year hold, but we kind of look at opportunities in either direction, right? So five-year is based probably similar to other people, but depending on the project and stuff, we're looking for opportunities. In one case, one of our most recent ones, we we're looking at it where if, if the market's right, we might sell it three years. If not, we'll refinance there and continue to hold it beyond that. Others we have underwritten at five years, the property you know, is performing. It's like, we wouldn't actually mind holding on to it longer than that. So I, I would say that we probably do underwrite to five years, similar to other people. We just like to have that buffer and not lock ourselves into one time frame. Gotcha. Marcus, what's been your biggest learning curve so far as a commercial real estate investor? What I'm really asking is, what's your biggest screw up and how did you fix it afterwards? What's been the toughest part of this so far? I don't know that we've like massively screwed stuff up, but I think that based on your question, the learning curve from 15 years of single family, and I did a lot of that in a, a small community close to my hometown where I knew the banker personally, like I knew the insurance agent personally, like I knew the real estate agents personally. I knew a lot of them and it was a lot easier to talk I shouldn't say it's a lot easier to talk to them, but I I knew them and it was easier to to coordinate those transactions. So I think moving into the commercial real estate space, there's a lot more at play there with the SEC attorney. The insurance is very different on a larger property or working with a broker. There's a lot more things going on and you are taking large sums of money from your investors, right? And they have entrusted you to do that. And so I think that that has been, been one of the biggest transitions there is, I don't know if complexity is the right word, because like once you've learned, you've gone through it, you've experienced, it's not necessarily complex, but there are a lot more moving pieces than there are in single family and a lot more like legalities that you're working through taking other people's investment. Gotcha. So this is way more complex. Why not just stick with the single families? Why not just end up with 150 of them? I think that for me, there were a couple things, you know, as I, I got in and was exposed to the strategy, you know, kind of just the scale, the economies of scale and the ability to get the same returns or better returns in, in many cases with a lot less transactions because with single family, you're going through that multiple times to do that. The other thing for me, and this isn't to say that you can't have a massive impact in the single family space. Obviously those residents and stuff need a place to live and stuff as well. But for me, part of it also was the impact perspective. As I mentioned before, with these communities, the things that we do, whether it's simple as putting washer and dryers in a unit or barbecue grills and park benches or things that we can do to make the residents' lives better or build a community around that complex, I find fulfillment in that. As also I mentioned, the ability to provide our passive investors an opportunity. A lot of people don't realize 
but I think, hey, these are like wealthy people that own all these uh, apartment complexes. And it doesn't have to be massively wealthy people. It can be my family, my friends, or others just like me and you uh, to do that. And I think that's a pretty powerful thing to provide them that opportunity. Marcus, you're an LP on a 24-unit mobile home park in Cannon City, Colorado. I've never heard of Cannon City. Is it close to a major metro area? It's kind of southwest of Colorado Springs area. Kind of southwest of the Colorado Springs area. Let's play a game. I'm going to make a broad assumption that I want you to respond to. And I'm not going to be offended no matter what you say. I'm going to be a little reactionary because that's the way that I think most people are going to hear this. So here we go. Marcus, there's no way to syndicate a 24-unit mobile home park in Cannon City, Colorado. There's absolutely no possibility for scale, and there can't be enough room in it to bring in limited partners. That's just not going to work. Please respond. So admittedly, it was one of my first investments. I knew the syndicators pretty well. So that didn't even come across my mind whenever I was investing in it myself. I think they did it kind of simultaneously with another property next to it that wasn't. There's not a lot of LPs on the deal. Are you in on that property next to it as well? Or were you? I I am not. No, it was separate from this. They were just kind of buying it all together. But this particular property, it's a low number of LPs. I think the rehab they have done is pretty significant. Really? Yeah, to the properties. And the rents are significantly higher than even what they're- Uh, Do you guys own the mobile homes themselves or just the land? They do own the mobile homes. Yes. Ah, okay. Gotcha. I hear 24 unit mobile home park. And the reason I'm being so terse, Marcus, is because that's my expectation is that most people in our space who hear this are thinking the same thing that I am. And I want you to have the opportunity to respond to that. So the first thing is the real value add in this is that you were also buying the mobile homes. Well, you were an LP. And so I'm asking you about your opportunity to invest capital in this and what you saw and what you're seeing. But we're talking about 24 mobile homes as well as the land. And you said there was some serious value add potential here. So what kinds of returns are you seeing here? Is this another five-year hold? Are you expecting to sell this after a turnaround period? Yeah, it was a similar five-year hold type of thing to sell. And from the returns perspective, I don't really know that yet. Because um, in all honesty, we didn't get distributions for a significant period of time because of the amount of rehab that they were doing into the project. And so we just recently got our first distribution. And that was communicated that that distribution would be delayed. As we all know, there's different types of deals. Sometimes that distribution is going to come six months in. Sometimes it's going to become 12, 15 months in, depending on the type of deal. So that that was communicated. So they pretty much rehabbed all of the units. And when you see the pictures, we've showed pictures sometimes on social media and people are like, that's not actually a mobile home. They're like, yeah, it actually is. So they do a really nice job. They've done a great job with the rehabs. And while it's taken a while to start getting that income coming back in from the increased rents after the rehabs, I think the total value of the property at sale will be pretty nice. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. What's holding you back from getting into apartment building deals? Is it knowledge, fear, inability to take action, lack of support? If it's any of these things, then I suggest you consider Deal Maker Mentoring with Michael Blanc. Michael's program is the most effective program to help you syndicate your first apartment building deal. 
During Dealmaker Mentoring, you'll work directly with one of Michael's experienced mentors who have successfully replaced their income with apartment buildings. They've already done what you want to do, which is become financially free. So in addition to providing their own syndication experience, they've been trained in Michael's unique Dealmaker Blueprint designed to help you do your first deal and become financially free just like them in the next one to three years. To find out more, text the word Joe to 66866. I know Michael's going to get you to where you'd like to be. Again, text the word Joe to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own syndication business. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. I know you're an LP, so figuring all of this out is not your responsibility, but I'm wondering who is the end buyer for this property? Are they planning to package it with the property next door to find someone who's buying larger scale properties? I honestly don't know. I know they bought that same time together, whether they package it to sell together at the end. I'm not sure if that's the GP's intention at this time or not. Gotcha. Do you know the average rent for those mobile homes? I did look at them recently. I asked for some of the financial details when I was filling out some of my own real estate owned for some of my own acquisitions. And I don't know the average off the top of my head. I know that many of of them are up over a thousand dollars now for the rents. Okay. So a couple of things, Marcus. It sounds like you've got yourself a great situation as an LP if you're not having to ask for the financials and you're not needing to have all of these details in order for the GPs to perform, number one. Number two, I should have asked you to lead with the rents because you're getting $1,000 a month for mobile homes. This 24 unit is then producing over 24 grand a month in gross revenue when fully occupied. That sounds like a much more scalable deal now. And that's not what people think of when they hear syndicated mobile home park. That sounds like a cool opportunity. Marcus, your company name is A Long Legacy REI. What brought you to choose that name? So a couple of years ago, I mentioned joining the mastermind for active duty and veterans. I started kind of getting into the multifamily space. So when I started, some of the guys were kind of challenging us to start a platform, start putting yourself out there and things. And so I I kind of started thinking about like, well, there was a podcast, a website, things of that nature. I started putting my head around it and I wanted it to mean something. At the time, I didn't know that I was going to go as a GP in multifamily, what direction exactly I was going to be going. So I wanted the name to be deeper than just real estate itself or whatever. So I was just kind of thinking about that. And why was I doing real estate. You know, why was I investing in in real estate, whether it's single family, commercial real estate or anything else. And it kind of went to the impact that I mentioned that I enjoy providing for the residents, the impact that now I'm able to provide for investors. Real estate provides me the flexibility geographically 
and time-wise to be more present with my family than many of my years in the military. Just all of that kind of stuff. I was thinking about the legacy. I have a seven-year-old daughter and a four-year-old son. And I kind of started thinking about the legacy that I wanted to provide. I want the example that I provided them. And I don't know, I came up with a couple other names I had in my mind. And one day that popped into my mind and I was like, that's it. It was kind of a spin on my name uh, as well as the legacy aspect. And once it came to me, it made sense and I, I never questioned it. Yeah, absolutely. I have a two and a half year old daughter. One of the phrases I learned early on in my career that I stick to is digging your well before you're thirsty. I know a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-and-a-half-year-old can't comprehend how much you and I are doing for them and for their future, but I know our kids are going to be grateful for sure, and especially for the trajectory that you are creating for your family and for the families of the people who have the opportunity to invest with you. It's hundred percent. Yeah. I was just going to, I was just going to agree with you there. As I go through this and as my children get older, I want to show them everything I'm, I'm doing and whether they go into real estate or doing something else, that doesn't matter. I just want them to see the, the skills or the reasons behind the things that I do. And they can take those lessons and place them wherever they so choose to do so. But again, even beyond our own families, the ability to impact and for those that invest with us, for them to create their own legacies as well. Maybe they love their W-2, maybe they're happily retired, whatever it is. Maybe they don't want to dive deep into real estate and do it on their own. And for us to provide them that opportunity for them to go the direction that they want to and build their own legacies, I think is really impactful as well. Yeah, especially with our industry being so focused on commercial real estate syndicates and bringing in passive investors, it's really easy to hone in on the numbers, how deals spreadsheet. At the end of the day, at least the most important thing to me, and it sounds like the most important thing to you, Marcus, is the impact that this is having on our lives, on our families' lives, and on the families of the people who go into business with us. That being said, I have one last question about numbers before we dive in to the last segment of this interview, Marcus. You got into single family rentals around 2005. So before the recession, I don't know how long you were buying SFRs yet, but do you still own any of them? I own all but one of them. We just sold one a few months ago. It was the first one, other than a personal residence, I had sold a couple of years ago of the rentals. The first one I ever sold was about three months ago. How many of them do you have? About 12. So you have 12 single family rentals while also GPing and LPing hundreds of units. How do you compare the financial returns of holding those single family rentals over the long haul? And frankly, the amazing appreciation that we've seen, let's not just talk about the last two years, but since the recession, we've seen not just a steady climb in property values, we've seen a steady climb in appreciation. Appreciation has accelerated for a long time now. How do you compare the growth that you're seeing with your single family rentals to the returns that you're getting with your apartments? To be fair, most of those single family rentals were probably purchased later on, probably sure. four or five in the first 10 year period or so and the rest after that. And also many of them, not all, but many of them are in a fairly rural area of Missouri, close to my hometown. So I have some in like okay. Kansas, a couple in Kansas City, things like that. Many of them are in a rural area, right? So 
there's a big demand for rentals. There is a big demand for houses in general based on the population, but it's not a market that sees quite the appreciation and stuff that you might see at some larger metro areas. Sure, but and this so, is still these are still assets that you've decided to hold longer term. So why hold those? How does that compare to the investing you're doing now? So I would say we're in the process of starting to offload some of those now. And that's why we sold the one in the fall. I think that I don't have any regrets about the path that we took. Some of those between the slight appreciation, the rental income, the debt pay down, we cross collateralized a few times, taking some of the equity in one property to buy another. So early on, it kind of allowed us to scale to a limit and to get a number of assets there. But because of the market of where it is, there's not a lot of professional property management. We've managed some of those assets ourselves. So from a returns perspective and the amount of work and effort we had to put in to get those, it is you know, not as a great of a return on investment as I'm seeing in the multifamily space. And so some of those properties are kind of partnered with my brothers and stuff. And part of our mm. goal was to provide some of the family, some passive income and stuff. They all have W-2s. So it kind of became more work than we initially anticipated. So we kind of transitioned and are starting to sell off some of those single family homes and turning that into an LP investment in some of my multifamily deals to make it more passive for them that as makes, well. That makes more sense now, especially that you had other family members involved. So yeah, you're in England, but you had invested with other members of the family, people who are local, and that complicates just making the decision to sell and get all your money into apartments. Gotcha. Marcus, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Great. What is your best ever way to give back? It's really challenging to narrow down into one because as I've mentioned a couple of times, I think we have the opportunity to give back every day in commercial real estate, how we look to intentionally impact the residents, how we are able to give back to our investors. And I get a lot of fulfillment from that. So I think those are big. I think, as I mentioned before, I'm pretty passionate about education, personal finance and things like that. And so this Stuff isn't taught in schools. And I see a lot of people get into late, later on in life before they realize these other opportunities other than just like, you know, chunking money into their 401k or the stock or, you know, that's all they're ever taught. So I like to give back just by being there for people and providing my experiences and education and stuff. So I, I make myself pretty available, you know, to have conversations with people. And particularly, I, I really enjoy connecting with like younger individuals, hopefully so that they have, a, have an opportunity to implement some of the stuff earlier on in their life to make a bigger impact. Nice. What's the best ever book you recently read? So I recently read The Hands-Off Investor by Brian Burke. And nice. I thought it was pretty phenomenal, both from a perspective. I think it's a great book. It's a pretty thorough for limited partners, but I also think it's a great book for general partner sponsors and operators to read as well, particularly if you're newer, to understand what your limited partners should be asking or expecting, or if you've only been working with one advisor, maybe you only know one way to do things and so it kind of opens your eyes to some other options yeah marcus what is your best ever advice so i heard the quote be the change you wish to see in the world and i think that would be my advice so whether it's in business whether it's in our community whether it's in our family it's very easy for us to point fingers it's easy for us to complain about things that aren't right i think it takes a lot more courage to do something about it with action and so that's one of my best pieces of advice. Awesome. Marcus, where can people get in touch with you? Yeah, the best place is alongthelegacy.com. So it's kind of a one-stop shop. You know, they can set up, a, send me an email, set up a time to talk. All my 
social media uh, stuff is right there. So longlegacy.com. Best ever listeners. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this interview, please follow and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star interview and share this interview with someone who could benefit from what Marcus has had to say to us today. Thank you and have a best ever day.